Rebecca Enang Chong, founder of AppsTech and reigning queen of tech, of African tech, but some say tech in general. Welcome back to the African Tech Roundup. Thanks, Andile. I love that title, the reigning queen of tech. Yeah, nobody's going to take my crown away. As long as you're here, we're happy to basically let the people know, man. Yeah. We're at the Afrobytes Tech Conference, and it's your second year in a row. Again, uh, a pleasure to hear you speak on a panel. You were tackling this year the issue of policy and its role in engendering a workable environment for African tech to thrive on the continent. How optimistic are you feeling about Africa's tech industry? Oh my goodness, I'm an entrepreneur, right? So we are always optimistic. We know for a fact that tomorrow is better than today. And so absolutely, I'm very optimistic. Um, Also realistic, right? Because there are challenges um, for our ecosystem and we need to address those challenges, but they're not going to prevent us from thriving and succeeding. Okay, so if you followed for any period of time the hashtag bring back our internet um, around about the time Cameroon decided to switch it off for, what, over three months, uh, you would have seen Rebecca's activism around this issue in fact i think i was on your twitter page just the other day it's still you it's still there yeah it's still there because i i don't want to forget you know i think my background image is still the bring back our internet um hashtag the logo um because i don't want us to forget because it's happening now it's happening in ethiopia and it will continue to happen across the african continent if we don't come together and stand together as we did as then i saw all of Africa come together behind the bring back our internet hashtag. Um, and we need to continue to come together for other government internet shutdowns. What's at stake if our policymakers, our lawmakers, um, and citizens who don't realize that they have the power to make a difference by standing up? Uh, what happens if we don't prevent this mindset of internet equals social media equals? revolution if we if we let that mindset sort of ferment and and set in the minds of our our leaders corporate leaders uh, government leaders what's at stake rebecca um well what's at stake is that we'll have more internet shutdowns is that people will think that an internet shutdown even if it's temporary is okay it's not okay it's not okay even for 10 seconds to shut down the internet if you have any hope for developing a digital economy. Um, and so we can't let it happen. And I think Ed Snowden, um, who chimed in during the Bring Back Our Internet, um, said it best. He said, if it happens there, it will happen here. So don't think it's not going to happen to you. So when, when, when the internet is shut down anywhere in the world, we need to stand together and say no we're particularly interested in africa and so we want to make sure that all africans understand that it's not okay to shut down the internet for a moment um uh, it's not okay for the government to shut it down for a moment i I think ethiopia shut shut it down for exams because they don't want cheating in exams, that's unacceptable. There are other ways to police um, um, exam uh, cheating than shutting down um, the Internet. Um, the, 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 the consequences of an Internet shutdown 
aren't just that people can't access the internet for a given moment. The consequence is lost jobs. The consequence, the biggest consequence is, la uh, uh, is lack of trust, is you lose trust in an economy. Because whether or not Cameroon, I'm using that as an example, realizes it, is that they shut down the internet in the English-speaking parts of the country because they didn't want people in the English-speaking parts of the country to access social media. But they cut off all of the internet, not just the social media. Um, but the consequence is that investors that are looking to invest in Cameroon aren't going to say, oh, they shut it down in the English-speaking part, but I'm going to invest in the French-speaking part. They don't think that way. They're thinking, here's a country and here's a government that is ready to shut down the internet. And so I cannot put my money in such an economy because it's too risky. And Ethiopia, it's the same thing. Here is a country that thinks that there's a solution to a problem is to shut down the internet. It's not a solution because it will prevent, it creates this additional risk profile for a country. Um, and we are in dire need of investment. We're in dire need of trust. It's such an important element. And if people cannot trust that the government will not shut down the internet, um, then it, 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 it's a lot more difficult to start to talk about a digital economy. The reason I, um, I take very seriously your views uh, and your opinions, are, you know, ide idealistic opinions and, and views on matters such as this is because <clears throat> you put your, you know, your money where your mouth is, uh, you refuse to let these issues determine whether or not you, you're going to execute on your plan to make Africa, you know, or to, to basically act on your belief that Africa is uh, and continues to be the greatest opportunity of our time economically. And I want you to speak to that because I feel that's an entrepreneurial trait found in many entrepreneurs. I, I myself being from Zimbabwe, you can think of a million reasons not to act based on perhaps what you might perceive your government doing for you or not, or doing enough for, you know, to say, you know, to say nothing of being a foreign national living in South Africa. And I mean, there's so many things, so many reasons why, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, startup founders, VC interests, institutional investors could point to for not acting on their conviction that Africa is an amazing place to do business. Speak to what you're doing, to, I mean, practically doing in terms of like, okay, Cameron over there, see you, you're in my sort of peripheral. I see you over there, Ethiopia, can't stand it, but got to do this thing. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's, it's so important for us to be part of the solution. We can't sit and complain. We have to do something. Um, and doing something starts with being on the ground and putting, as, I, as you said, putting your, your, your money where your mouth is and saying, okay, you know, it's going to be hard, but I have to do this because I want to shape the way my digital economy will look. And if I'm not there, I can't shape it. You know, somebody else is going to shape it and there's not going to look anything like what I would like it to look like. And so I have to um, participate. And by participating, I have a voice. 
and I can speak loudly. <laughs> um, and I and I do I do feel like a, one person can have an impact. And so one person plus one person plus one per person, we can transform the continent. I really, really believe that. That's and I I, I want to say to this juncture, you know, the work you do with and for the African Business Angels Network. Why is that specifically in your mind, at least at least to my mind, uh, one of the more important initiatives that you've thrown your weight behind, not just as a as a co-founder or you know an active member of, but also an active investor within the you know the, the Africa's tech industry. Um, you know, for for so many years, we've um, worked with startups to support them to help them be a, a viable business um, to make them investment ready for other investors outside of Africa. But we need Africans to invest in Africans. And that's why ABAN is so important um, because it serves as a kind of catalyst to find and identify some of these potential angel investors, get them to start angel groups, um, train them on what angel investing is all about, um, you know, just really promote the whole idea of angel investment, seed funding for um, an early stage funding for, for, for startups in Africa by Africans. How do you think in, in some of the most profound ways uh, approaching angel investments on the continent is different to being in that space in a more developed economy like, say, the States or in, in Europe somewhere? Well, I mean, from a very practical standpoint, the, the we don't have exits, right? So we have very few exits. So I think from, from angels, it exit to VCs, right? So what we're looking for as angel investors, because investment, guys, it's not charity, um, is a, a, a company that will potentially get VC funding. And if a company can potentially get VC funding, then the angel can exit, even though the, the company hasn't exited. Um, we can make money that way. Um, so we, we just have to look at, look at angel investing a little bit differently. Um, obviously, some of the due diligence will be different, um, more extensive. Um, you'll, you'll find that it's, it's like most angel investors, they'll invest locally even though they may have a pan-African vision, they want to see and the entrepreneurs and see and make sure that they're, they're actually doing what, what they said they were going to do. Uh, what, what, what we've seen as a model that's interesting is, uh, is putting angel investor groups and tying them in with incubators so that those startups that the angels decide to invest in are incubated um, it's it's easier to follow up um, and easier to, you know, so there's, there's somebody looking at the bank account. There's somebody looking to make sure and monitoring on a day-to-day -day basis how that startup is evolving uh, versus, you know, angels who are generally busy and will spend, you know, uh, a few hours uh, a month with, with the um, startup entrepreneurs. Is syndication in this space becoming a thing? Because uh, I, I, I remember speaking to Tommy Davies a while ago, uh, a short while ago, actually, uh, at a recent event, and him talking about how that's also a key focus, or at least in his mind, one of the main things that needs to start to happen uh, within local regions, say, you know, in local uh, geographic regions, but also across the continent. How's the syndication thing going? 
Um, I think it's it's wow. I think Tommy, it's it's that's a great example of it. You know, our big brothers, we always call them the big brother, LAN, the Lagos Angels Network. They have several, there's several syndications that are ongoing. Um, so they have a lot more experience with it. Tommy, obviously, sharing that experience with the rest of us. Um, it's starting. Um, I think it's evolving. First, people need to understand what angel. I think it, the, one of the issues is that it's still so new in everybody's mind. Um, the whole idea of being an angel investor, our uncles, our, our aunts or whatever that have funded startups, not knowing that they were being they were angel investors um we need to get more of them and we need to structure them more um structuring them in a syndication in an angel group it doesn't matter they just need to more structure and i think we're so early stage right now in that whole you know we are 2010 tech hub right that's where we are right now with angel groups um with the whole um, seed investment movement is that we're now only now structuring it and helping structure these these um, these networks and I think then you know it'll take a few years for for us to really see the impact but the impact will be there um, because as soon as Africans start believing in Africans investing in Africans we will transform the continent I do believe that. Two things I want us to talk about, then I obviously have to let you go because you're a busy lady today. Um, we share a bugbear in in the whole perception of Africa being a, a sort of charity destination. And caught up in that whole thing is this idea of impact investment, which inherently shouldn't be an issue, but kind of is because of really what it's come to be associated with and how it's it's applied to charity drives okay so give me a sense of why this annoys you clearly far more than i <laughs> and how we fix it okay first of all what is impact right who defines impact i believe that job creation wealth creation is impact um, a lot of these uh, impact investors don't do you know that more than 80 percent of this impact investment into africa doesn't actually go to african founded organizations or companies that is a huge issue that is a huge issue because wh who decides so you have this white savior complex of people that go in to create these you know impact type businesses they're getting millions and millions and millions of dollars in investment which is almost grants um competing against local entrepreneurs that have a more profit-driven approach that aren't getting the investment. And so I really think in, in some respects that it's actually hurting rather than helping the economies. And so the social capitalist side of me um, that says, okay, so let's be pragmatic about impact and this idea that um, even when the intention isn't right or we, we, or, or we don't trust motive or really there's a problematic systematic uh, development of habits and, and precedent that we're setting through not teaching our local entrepreneurs to, to base their, their sort of startup endeavors on commercial fundamentals. Great, there's all of that. but And that's not enough for you? No, but there's, there's the fact that, well, I mean, there are people out there who would never have the internet on any given Sunday if it wasn't for 
free basics. I mean, come on. Ah, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe you just said that. I'm, pl- I'm playing devil's advocate so hard right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know what? Or wouldn't have, like, their shack lit up if it wasn't for, say, um, initiatives like Mkopa, for example. Okay, you know what? Then I'm fine with that. Just call it charity. Right? And let's just finish with it. Just say that you are, this is a grant, and say that you are, you know, donating money. It, it's a, phil- a philanthropic um, type of model, and I'm fine with it. You to be fair to Mkopa, who I cite here, of course, they've come out saying, listen, we're, we've, we've got like the, the burgers is the lights and stuff in the solar, the, the sort of underlying, the McDonald's, to use the McDonald's analogy, the, the, the land around the, the restaurant the, and everything is actually this finance business we're trying to build by giving people free lighting and tracking their activities and stuff like that. So, all right. So anyway, back to you. Yeah. See, I'm not going to, I don't want to go there. I don't, I really don't want to go there. I, I don't, I don't want to go there. So all I can say is you, you should wish you were at Afrobytes. If you weren't at Afrobytes this year, you need to be at the next one, which I'm, I hope uh, you, they, they have to invite you back to be a panelist then. I hope so too. I hope so too. This is actually a really cool event. Um, Pretty awesome, right? Because I mean, again, you were very candid on stage about, you know, Facebook specific in this case, where they're not being upfront about like, you, yes, you say you're saving the world and you're fronting, but maybe if you're a little more honest about your, your the the motive, which is to basically dominate world tech. I mean, maybe if we, if we were onto that and you were honest about it, we'd be less ticked off about it. Can we talk about Andela? Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, yeah, it used to be an African company, I think. Well, it. <laughs> ouch. You know what? I love Andela. I love what they're doing, and I'm so glad that they got the investment from Mark. I just wish it came from Mark and not something called foundation, something called, you know, it, 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 when it, it, if it didn't have this philanthropy bent on it, then I would love it. Um, I'm, I, I'm really saddened that, you know, the, the initiative, the uh, Zuckerberg initiative is the vehicle that they use to invest because I really would like to see Mark and others um, in the Valley see Africa as what it is, a huge market, a huge investment opportunity, and not just a charity case. Well, to all of you Mark Zuckerberg-esque Silicon Valley people. Because, of course, he's listening to you, right? And if, Do you and think if, he is? Oh, he has to. You know, he came to Nigeria. This Wasn't that cool? That was the best. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. And I think it, what's really great about that is that he saw Nigeria and he saw Africa for himself versus what people are going to describe about it and the energy. You cannot help but be impacted by the energy that you get out of the continent and out of the continent's entrepreneurs. And all of a sudden you, you realize like, oh, wow. These are amazing, amazing people, and I'm sure his life will be transformed forever. And of course, Kenya will be like, hey, he came here, he came over too. Yes, yeah. Kenya and Nigeria, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he didn't come to Cameroon, so <laughs> it didn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Snap. Kenya, I'm tired. I'm tired of Kenya. Kenya's always been, you know, it's like the, our big brother also. See, I see Nigeria as the big brother of actually doing stuff. Oh, this is ouch ouch <laughs> you should edit that one out i'm just kidding um but no kenya is like everybody always talk about kenya 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 um and 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 it takes the focus off of kenyan 
startup entrepreneurs. There is there there's a real story in Kenya, and that's that there are companies, there are entrepreneurs there, and startups there that are local based that aren't getting millions of dollars in funding and that are actually involved in and interested in doing business but nobody talks about them because every time you talk about an african startup especially when you're talking about kenya you have to talk about social impact why are african startups given this additional criteria of showing how much social impact they're 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 generating meanwhile in south africa where there's far less of an uh, an emphasis on that you're seeing listed company after listed company snap up uh you know really handy businesses that have been doing the business you know for like significant sums of money i mean that's happened at least two or three times this year alone um you know quiet niche plays in an area that would never trend in in sort of foreign media and just again goes to show that there is business being done and maybe we should focus on that and even on the show um we really do try but i mean we certainly can try harder to to focus on you know the money being made and the impact in that respect yeah absolutely i and i think that the more stories we hear um of successful african businesses um that aren't just pretty for the media because i think what happens also is that the entrepreneur falls into this kind of i i want my my story to be media friendly and so their business starts to be to starts to focus on what media wants to read about and so you make it sexy but you don't make it profitable and also when you tell your story um people coming behind you don't know what it actually takes to succeed yeah so i think really let's let's start focusing on how can we make money how can we create jobs um and to build out our economy and let the impact people do what they do and that's fine and but let's really us africans let's really focus on building sustainable profitable businesses now you really have to go, and I know how one question turns into like ten minutes w- with us. So, um, really quickly, so you you sat down for this killer interview. I, I did. You have to plug it again. Go check out African Tech Conversations. Uh, you know, search for my conversation with Rebecca and Chong. Just put that in Google. You'll find it. Um, in- incredible story. Look, um, you you told that story at a time when it was unthinkable for anyone never mind an individual like you or uh, you know heading up a company like appstick which is nothing to sneeze at of course uh, but it was unthinkable of of someone in your position to insist on uh, all of us taking big business like mtn in specific to this case to much greater account in terms of what they're doing to promote or in, in your case or in your specific case to basically really hamstring the growth of African tech. And and we, we cite MTN and other big businesses. I think Nasper is, is one I, I would mention just in terms of size, the banks certainly, you know, the, the other large mobile telcos. These guys are big-scale players in a position to really make a difference in terms of, you know, leveraging their legacy weight behind um, uh, smaller tech that's coming up, up and coming. And um, you stood out and said, these guys are up to nonsense. Um, They've taken me for a ride. And then we see like a diabolical 18 months thereafter also. Um, Sure. I'm not saying it's all you, queen of African tech, but 
What do you make of the fallout since then, the place like MTN, and what does it say about, perhaps um, in a good way, about our ecosystem? The, the accountability. You know, they've gotten away with so much for so long. But at the in the end, um, the real personality of an individual, and in this case of a company, always emerges. And, you know, it, it, the, the, some of these companies, MTN amongst them, but the, they're not alone, that sponsor these uh, startup challenges that, um, you know, they're saying they're reinvesting and they're talking about CSR, but they don't pay their suppliers or they treat their, their business partners, they treat their employees badly, they, you know, so, so or they, they don't participate fully in the ecosystem, they don't pay their taxes. So, you know, if you're going to, to um, you know, break the rules in, because you, you think you can get away with it, um, whether it's in dealing with any of the stakeholders, um, you're not supporting that economy and you're not supporting the ecosystem. I would much rather that then that you pay your suppliers that can then go. That's building out the ecosystem because those suppliers will generate are generating jobs. They're paying employees. And that is how you support the ecosystem. Um, you know, spending a thousand dollars to go build a, uh, a, 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 a water well um, when, you know, the people that from that community you haven't been honest with or direct with um, could be building their own well with the wealth that you're taking away from them. You know, so taking away from one entity to then pretend that you're doing something positive is not acceptable. And we need, we, I don't know why people are so afraid of government. Well, we're less afraid, and that's why I, I sort of, I sort of, it was a leading question in that I feel like we are less afraid. And I think, look, we're not all the way there yet, and I'm not saying, you know, you clearly haven't gotten your money back, have you? No, not yet, but I'm working on it. So, you, so no, so the, the bets aren't off there, but I mean, you haven't certainly got them to pay on what they, what they owe you, um, but we are seeing them pay. In, in ways that would have been unthinkable before because they're being held to account to, to you know, credit to policymakers, lawmakers who are regulators who are like going, actually, this is how we're going to roll. Uh, you know, shout out to Nigeria, to Rwanda, I don't know, TZ's doing it. So, I mean, and not just MTN either, the banks are getting it. So um, South Africa's got its thing with, you know, laws coming online, citizenry getting more involved. That's what I, that's what I sort of meant as a leading question. I, I feel like it's turning a bit. Yeah, I think that once Nigeria started, all of a sudden they weren't invincible anymore, right? Big corps weren't invincible. And it was like, okay, wow, we can actually hold them accountable. And this is a, a whole new reality for um, for these companies is like all of a sudden we really have to look at how we do business. You know, we're not going to be able to just write a check you know, a, a small check to individuals or um, to get the problem, to, to have the problem go away. This is going to take real institutional change. I'm sure mining companies never dreamed they'd have to compete for that kind of heat, for, you know, in terms of. <laughs> yeah. And the oil, right? Oil, oil and oil, gas, oil and gas and mining, right? That they're, they're competing against tech. Um, against these these very large companies, in terms of just getting us to to in, in terms of really just having to prove to us that they aren't here to 
to ruin our our continent yeah I, I absolutely and i think that you know with with the the amount of money that mtn has made on the continent itself you know not talking about you know the the middle east and and in other places that they're now involved in but you almost look at at mtn and you look at, at where they want to invest they really invest in bad areas that nobody else wants to invest in and that should be uh, uh, something that these African governments look at. In other words, if you are bad in bad investment environments, invite bad investors. Wow, but Rebecca, flip, man, the impact, though. So if MTN were called ABC, would they create fewer jobs? Oh, my word. Okay. So if, if it was a local company, would it create fewer jobs? I think that the, the, what, what creates the jobs uh, and what creates the wealth is the fact that there is a telco, but you can call the telco whatever you want, and it could have been a locally-based telco. Remember, MTN and um, its competitors, um, they are funded, in, in, in Cameroon anyway, entirely by local banks. So South Africa put zero money, right? And MTN South Africa put very, very little money into that. Um, and they're very proud to say there's zero risk, 100% financed by local banks. Um, and so those local banks could have funded, you know, ABC instead of MTN, and you would have had the same amount of jobs, the same amount of impact, and perhaps less of the arrogance. Wow. Sure. Always a flip side to every coin. And trust uh, Rebecca Inanchong to show us <laughs> the, the other side, right? I, I'm not trying to be negative. I think that um, these companies do have a huge impact. I think in South Africa, MTN has had a, a, a huge impact. But I, I don't want us to overstate their value in other economies um, as MTN. Um, their value as a telco in those other countries is what we need to look at. Yeah, this is what we're here for, man, to have these tough conversations. We, and we have to have them. Um, they're inconvenient. We don't necessarily always have to agree, but we need to bring the stuff to the surface, skim that top and move on. But um, always appreciated to have you on the show because you, you, so you enlarge our territory, me. man. So, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited that you guys are here in Paris. This it's is incredible. First time. Also, the weather, though. Oh, come on. It's nice. It's incredible is what oh, I mean. Okay. Yeah, yeah. For once. <laughs> For once in Paris, the weather is good. So, yes. Yeah, so shout out to um, Amin, uh, Hawea, and the rest of the team at Afrobytes, really, for setting this up. And the gravity of it being hosted here at Medef, it's, like, ridiculous, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm so impressed and amazed at what they've been able to pull off. Um, yeah, Medef is, this is the center of business in France and a very important player in Europe altogether. Um, their impact on Africa is also something that you should ask one of them about on in one of your interviews because most of the investments in, especially Francophone Africa, come from companies that are members of Medef. Um, and so it, you, you need to have that conversation. I will do so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Indeed, it was our pleasure. Thanks, Rebecca. Super fan.